huge stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. What's going on, Dodgers Nation? Welcome to the Dodgers Nation post-game show. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. You're now home with Jim Beam and Dodgers Nation. Please drink responsibly. Thanks for rocking with us after the Dodgers lose in extra innings by a final score of 6-5. to five. They dropped to 43-34 and 34 on the season. They're now three games back of the Arizona Diamondbacks who beat the Giants today. The Dodgers did win this series. They're 14-10-1 in 25 series this year. When they were close to getting that sweep, it would have been the first sweep against the Astros. It's August 12th to the 14th. Back in 2011, we're going to break this entire game down. We're going to talk about the pitching, Tony Gonsolin's outing, some thoughts on him. A little concerned about Tony Gonsolin. We're going to talk about this offense that just hasn't been that hot offense, hasn't been that top-of-the-league offense that we've seen throughout most of the season. But they were due. This offense was due for a cold stretch. And this week, they're hitting just above 200. They're 21st in the league in overall offense, averaging around four runs, a little under four runs per game. Like at some point, this offense, they were going to struggle to score runs because they've been carrying this team for pretty much all season so yeah definitely have that concern but let me know down below in the comments section what is your biggest takeaway from this loss from the Dodgers we're going to talk about the bullpen who heading in today the bullpen they were on fire this bullpen was carrying this Dodgers team since in that uh, Anaheim series they had really taken over since they beat the Angels in that two-game series. But today, you just had the cut, the hit that that Bruce Argraderall gave up there in extra innings, and you had the two hits given up by Yancy Almonte. But yeah, the Dodgers' offense just did not do enough. But we're gonna break it all down. So we'll jump into the comment section here. Let me know where you represent Dodgers Nation from. We got We Stink. We got Dcam. Guess that didn't go as planned. Kevin Uhas can't win them all. At least we kept it close. That's from Kevin Uhas. Yeah, I mean, you definitely feel good about the fact that this Dodgers team they were able to make that run there and you thought it could have been a special day a special night at Chavez Ravine coming all the way back the Dodgers 0-23 when trailing at that point they find a way to tie things up in the eighth inning and you're starting to feel like okay this is a special series the Dodgers going for that sweep Freddie Freeman congratulations by the way Freddie Freeman getting his 2000 hit of his career and yeah, that would have been a spectacular way to cap it off with a win against this Astros team, but it just wasn't going to happen. But you definitely like the fight from this team coming all the way back the way they did to tie it up. But yeah, it just was not enough. But you look at that eighth inning there, bottom of the eighth. Rojas, he struck out swinging Bush. He grounded second for the second out. Then Betts was hit by the pitch. Then Betts stole second. Then on a 2-1 count, Freddie Freeman, he doubles to right to score Betts to make it 4-2. Next batter, Will Smith, 3-2 count. He is legend. The Clutch Prince, he homers to center to tie things at four apiece, his 12th of the year. That's tied for second for all catchers in Major League Baseball. Then after that, Martinez, he singled to left. Then DeLuca, he pinch runs, he steals second. Then Peralta, he struck out swinging. But just not enough from the Dodgers offense. J.D. Martinez, he's struggling. Heading in today, Freddie Freeman, he was struggling. Just as a whole, just not doing enough. He had some opportunities. He just could not capitalize. We're going to break it down. Hi, DMAC. What up, Craig Osterberg? DKM. Hey, DMAC, I'm back with more magic. What up, DKM? We missed you on 
last night's show where we're all talking about Stanek, who's probably crying still at the moment. Cry more, Stanek. Uh, send Vargas back down to the Myers. That's from Julian Official. We will talk extensively about Miguel Vargas, who didn't play a big role in this game, of course. You can't really pin this on a on a Mr. Miguel Vargas, especially, too, when you look at the fact that, yeah, he was pinch-hitting there late in this one. But still, I mean, he was – that was just terrible. The umpiring was bad, too. Can we just point that out? The umpiring was absolutely atrocious, uh, balls and strikes. But still – not a great at-bat there from Miguel Vargas, who was pinch-hitting for Johnny DeLuca. I think at that point, Johnny DeLuca, I'd rather see him get some more opportunities to take the bat out of his hands in that situation. And Vargas in that count, he's up 2-0, and he takes the third pitch for a strike, and that clearly was a ball. Should have been a 3-0 count, but then at the end of the day, not great swings. He was flailing at balls, and look, the bottom line of Miguel Vargas, you are what your results say you are, and he has just not been able to cut it. And 87 weighted runs created plus, heading into this one, hitting just above 200. That's not going to get it done. The Mendoza line is not what we hoped for when it came to Miguel Vargas. This is supposed to be a guy that has elite-ish bat-to-ball skills. A guy that's supposed to be a cornerstone of this line for the next decade. And I'm still I'm not selling my Vargas stock at all. I'm not doing that just yet. But I will say that I think he could benefit from being sent down. Go to the PCL. Get your mind right. Get your swing right. And then Michael Bush I think he's earned some opportunities. When Max Muncy gets healthy, I think I'd like to see Michael Bush get some more opportunities. You play him Max Muncy, of course. He has some positional versatility. He can play third. He can play second. Michael Bush, the same thing. So, yes, there's two lefties, and you'd rather have a nice right-handed bat in Miguel Vargas when he's right. But I think at the moment, if you just look at the month of June for Miguel Vargas, I mean, he's been absolutely awful. A 153 batting average of 49 weighted runs created plus. So, his offensive production has been 51% below league average. That's not going to get it done. Green Day has an album about his performance this month, and it's called Dookie because it's just not doing enough. And look, I just think that he needs to find a way to just get himself in a better position to hit. Get himself in a position where you're using the, that bat to ball. We are finding a way to do look. I mean, if you look at the Phillies game where he had the four hits, the three doubles, he has flash. I just think that he would be better served by a trip down to minor league baseball at the AAA level. Try to get that swing right because, yeah, bottom line is there's guys that could get some more playing time that I think would help this offense more than him right now. And two, I just think at the end of the day, a big picture, you got to get him back on track. And if he continues to struggle at this level, it's only going to hurt him but uh, we need a big hitter and pitching hi craig double dipping we got uh, i am uh, happy as long as we keep winning the series why on earth would roberts pinch hit for jd with vargas that's from edward nieto we got uh still won the weekend series that's from johnny hi decan vargas freebly uh we got i couldn't watch the game because of vspn we got hey dmac give me your hornitos por favor okay dcam you want a hornito shot taker shot comment of the game here you go that's all you do, Cam. We got uh, Gratterall and Armonte are not lights out. Yeah, Camille Harris, I think they're not lights out. I mean, that's a good way to put it. It's not, that's not saying they're bad, right? But they're not lights out. That's not saying that they can't be contributors, but they're not guys that are going to go out there and just dominate hitters. They're not going to just absolutely mow guys down. And yeah, that's definitely something that I find concerning, especially when you look at a team that is interested in going deep in the postseason. You're just not going to see that. But yeah, the reality is this offense, they've struggled over this week. And the bullpen, they played much better. The bullpen heading into today was really on a hot streak. And you saw that starting with the Angels series 
they definitely had that hot streak. And, yeah, it just wasn't – they didn't perform poorly. Of course, those weren't even earned runs there. But the bullpen heading in today, they had given up just one run their last five games, posting a .44 ERA, one earned run in 20 and a third innings pitched. And in that time, I mean, you're talking about a very, very quality bullpen performance. But today, like I said, you can't totally pin it on them. Of course, you got the Manfred runner, the runner on second there. Anytime you got the Manfred runner, it's not going to show up in the stat sheet. But if you do just look at the the 10th inning there, first batter, Jolks, he singled to right. That scored Pena, and that gave Houston a 5-4 lead. And that's a first-pitch sinker there. Just left it a little too out over the plate. Didn't have nice run. Didn't hit the corner on that one. And if you're bruised or grad or all that pitch, you just have to avoid the heart of the plate. I mean, I think and that at bat left a little up as well. So not a great pitch. And then Jolks, he ends up getting to third on that wild pitch. So the wild pitch, too, that compounds things. And then he walks Myers. So, yeah, bruised are who had definitely been on a really nice stretch and he's definitely performed better than most in that bullpen probably the second best out of outside of Evan Phillips well yeah I mean definitely not his best day he ended up walking Myers and then pretty much he gets bailed out by that bunt there by Maldonado where he goes and he bunts into that double play and had it not been for some sloppy base running there by the Astros by the Trastros I should say it would it could have gotten a lot worse so yeah I mean if you look at that play right there it was a bunt back to the mound Gratterall did nice play by the way he looks the runner at third, then he goes to first, and then Mookie catches Jolts in a rundown, and Smith ran him back and got him out. So terrible base running there by Jolts. Double play with two outs. Ball hit right to Gratterall. He did the right thing. Looked the runner back to third. Then Mookie did the fundamental thing by running towards the runner and just made him making him run back there and allowing Will Smith to get that play. So yeah, definitely saved a run there. But yeah, it wasn't very crispy for Bruce Dark Gratterall. He ended up getting Dubon to fly to left. And then, yeah, not the best night for Yancy Almonte. Let's jump back in the comments section, guys. Here we go. I want your thoughts on Miguel Vargas. Though. Let's start with Miguel Vargas. I got some thoughts on Tony Gonson because today continued to build the momentum, at least in my eyes, that the Dodgers absolutely need to go after starting pitching. Bring Lucas Giolito home. Hashtag Giolito to L.A. Uh, Vargas was subbed in right as from Kevin Uhas. We got Studio DSR Vargas doesn't seem to care that he's playing terribly. I wouldn't say it's that because I can tell you just from firsthand knowledge talking to people that are very close to this team that he is one of the hardest workers and that's definitely not the case. This is one he's a classic first guy at practice, last guy to leave, a guy that's trying to soak as much as he can in from the veterans, guys like JD Martinez. I just think for him his swing looks like I mean he has a natural swing, right? You don't want to change his swing. I think maybe he's a little too much in his head about certain adjustments, about the way that they want to attack pitchers. I think he needs to go up there and do what he did the minor league level, just find pitches to drive and just take off and be aggressive in certain counts. And I think he's being a little too hesitant, a little too selective. And then when he's getting his bat on the ball, you're just not seeing the hard contact. Look, when he came up last year, his numbers weren't great, but his advanced metrics, the bat-to-ball numbers, the contact numbers, they were very impressive. I mean, you had exit velocities over 90 miles per hour and things like that. You're not seeing that with Miguel Vargas. He's not barreling up many balls. He's not hitting balls hard. You're seeing a lot of lazy fly balls, a lot of easy outs. I think that's part of the problem is just not getting consistent hard contact and there really is no no telltale signs of okay this guy's going to get out of this anytime soon but here we go we got um, I got more acne than that lot I got more acne seeing that loss okay DKM we got Dodd Kong that's from P-R-L-O-F-D-O drum 72 Julian official Dodgers should have traded Gonsolin the offseason when he had better value Julian official hey you 
If you, I like Tony Gonson. He's a great guy. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. I caught up with the Blue Diamond Gala, but yeah, I think that there is something to that about the fact that, yeah, Tony Gonsolin, if you're looking to, I mean, look, he's under team control for a good amount of time, right? And he has a very incentive-based contract where if he wants to make the money, you got to get the starts. Got to get 24 starts like we saw last season. And for him, it's just about going out there and staying healthy. But I mean, look, today you saw the velocity was down again. And there was some talk that Dave Roberts said a few weeks ago that he's struggling to bounce back from starts. He's struggling to recover. Well, today before the games, he said that, hey, that's not an issue, that the fastball velocity is fine, that he's not struggling to bounce back, and he's back to where he was before the injury. But I don't see it because I think he's fighting his command too much out there. He's missing his spots. He's just missing wildly at times. He threw two of those splitters right down the middle. And that, to me, is the big concern. That, to me, is, look, if we saw Tony Gonson in a game today where he's missing with a fastball, forcing fastball out of the plate, and he hits it over the fence, I'm okay with that. But to me, his best pitch is the splitter. And, yes, he did leave that splitter up twice today, but they took full advantage. They're in the top of the second inning. He should have one-out walked to McCormick. Then McCormick, he steals second. Then one-one pitch to Pena. He hits a two-run shot to left to give the Astros a 2-1 lead, left that splitter up. They jump to the top of the fourth inning. Tucker hit a ground rule double. Then first pitch to Abreu. He crushed a two-run shot to center to make it 4-1 Astros. And that, to me, is my big red flag. That is my concern. The fact that the command isn't there with the splitter. That could say that, okay, is there some fatigue issues with the arm because he's just not looking sharp out there, not hitting his spots with his money pitch. And the fact that we just didn't see that last year. I mean, Tony Gonsolin had allowed four home runs on his splitter over the past three years combined. Combined. And today, two of them. So, yeah, they were center cut. Yeah, they were out over the plate, but still he just hasn't been as sharp with that pitch this season. But here we go. Carnivorous Lunar Activity. What's up, D-Mac? What up, Carnivorous Lunar Activity? Brian Gudino, the bullpen blew the lead extras. Bullpen failed. That's from Craig Osterberg. I mean, did the bullpen fail, though? Yeah, I guess you could say they did, but look, I mean, you have to you have to pour. You need to get multiple runs in extra innings. That's just the name of the game. The Astros, they got one run per inning, but we saw in this situation yeah, look, I mean, the bullpen obviously wasn't lights out. There's no doubt about that. But still, I mean, I think this one kind of comes down to the fact that this offense, they just t- could not put runs across enough. I mean, they definitely came back there in the eighth inning. You saw the way the game started. You're feeling good about the fact that Mookie's living its bets life. Hits another leadoff home run. Marcus Lynn bets bottom of the first inning. 2-0 pitch. Mookie crushed a, bl- a bets blast to center field. And yeah, Singer out of the ha- Singer outer half. Mookie takes off. 
off on his 44th leadoff home run of his career, eighth of the year. That leads all of Major League Baseball and his 19th home run of this season. So last year, you saw a career-high 35 home runs for Mookie. This year, he's up to 19. So the power is there. But you didn't get much after that. Lots of one, two, three innings. Guys not coming through when they're given opportunities. And J.D. Martinez is a guy that he has been really stepping up for this team. He's been there. And he's been one of their money players, but today just wasn't able to get it done. Freddie Freeman, he ends up stepping up late in the game. So I think that this is a great step in the right direction. I think one of my big takeaways, one of my three things you need to know from this game is I think Freddie Freeman, now that he's got this 2,000th hit behind him, now he's got the 2,000th hit behind him, I think he can focus, I think he can concentrate. I think that he's going to go on a tear once again. And we see Freddie Freeman, sometimes he goes through these little mini slumps only to get Fred hot once again. And today, Freddie goes two for five, had the RBI, had the one strikeout. I mean, you would love to have his problems, right? I love to be a struggling player and still be hitting 317, slugging 549 with a 397 on base percentage. But yeah, hey, this was a loss. But still, you got to give Freddie Freeman some credit. Freddie Freeman, 2,000 hits for his career. 2,000. He's the seventh Dodger player to reach 2,000 career hits in a Dodger uniform. He's the 295th player in history to reach that milestone. So, my guy, Freddie Freeman, I'm going to give him my Dodger dog of the game. Dodger dog of the game. Who's your Dodger dog of the game? Let me know. And I hope Freddie Freeman, I want him to get an MVP or two, a World Series or two. And my biggest joy, it would give me more joy than anything in the world than to see Freddie Freeman go into the Hall of Fame as a Dodger. Wouldn't that be fantastic? A lot would have to happen. A lot would have to happen. We're talking maybe an MVP or two, maybe a World Series or two, but you never know. With the way that things ended, the way the way that things are going with the Dodgers, how happy he is. I talked to Freddie the other day. He is happy. He is happy with this franchise. I mean, I love the fact the Dodgers, they went out there and got Jason Hayward. There's a lot of people saying, oh, Jason Hayward, they were good friends. No, Freddie told me that Jason Hayward is his best friend. Not his good friend, his best friend. So, the fact that this Dodgers organization goes out there and the Dodgers signed Freddie Freeman, one of his best friends. That shows you the relationship with this organization and Freddie Freeman. So if he continues to have success, I could absolutely see him possibly going into Cooperstown as a Dodger. He's not a lock for the Hall of Fame right now, but with his durability, I think there's no doubt about it. He's going to put together at least another two, three, or four elite seasons and he'll get into the Hall of Fame as one of the best players of his generation. But give me your thoughts on that as well. Do you see Freddie Freeman possibly going into the Hall of Fame as a Dodger? But here we go. Wilfredo Cordova after the um called the low pitch a strike. I knew Vargas was done. Yeah, Wilfredo Cordova. It's always tough in that situation when you're a struggling hitter and you don't get a call. It always feels like those things are connected, right? When you're struggling at the plate, things are going your way. You're going to miss the call. And then you're further in your head and things start to speed up. And it does feel like Miguel Vargas just can't catch a break right now. And like I said, 51% below league average in the month of June. And as I said at the top of the show, I am the biggest Miguel Vargas fan. I am the guy who is the conductor of the Miguel Vargas hype train. I bought as much stock as I could, but let's not forget, too, Michael Bush, 25 years old. James Alman, north of 25 years old as well. I mean, you're talking about some older prospects that have had more experience at the minor league level. Guys have played college ball. Miguel Vargas still just 23 years old. The town is in there. We saw a four-hit game with three doubles, right? We've seen him flash. I think that it's a combination of a little bit of the rookie wall, a little bit of the pressure, a little bit of learning a new position that you have never played at the big league level and you're learning on the fly at second base in the show playing on a team that has World Series aspirations all those things compounding there it's leading to some issues and I just think that he needs to get that swing right we need to see that magic 
physical swing that we saw continue to produce at the minor league level. We need to see him click and kind of get that back, get that bat speed back, get that aggressiveness, that, that decisiveness. So I'm not doing Miguel Vargas. Are you guys? Let me know down below. So we're going to jump into some high, some comments here. Hey, D-Mac, even if we lose, you are still the big boy. I like that. The big boy. Hey, man. Big Power 106 fan. Shout out to my friend, uh, big boy. But uh, I'll take that as a mid-slot half full take. How about that? Dying shooter. Hey guys, bullpen was fire in my opinion. Was fine in my opinion. I always just accepted a run is going to score in extras. Just got to hold it to one, not two. Trace Hayward season 20 through 23. Yeah, it's, look, they gave him a chance to win, right? They gave him a chance to win. It's not like they went out there and they scored two or three runs. You didn't see a crooked run inning there. You get one run the 10th and one run in the 11th. I think Bruce Dark Gratterall, though, just wasn't his sharpest. And we've seen him be sharp of late. We've seen him get more swing of miss of late. You saw him as the opener against the Angels going those two innings he looked really good here you got a hit batsman you had a walk you had a single right off the top so he just wasn't sharp and Yancy Almonte in that situation he gives up multiple hits as well leadoff man Alex Bregman on a 1-0 count the sweeper left it out of the plate left it middle and Bregman a talented hitter we know he's trash but a talented hitter and he's able to put the Astros up, the Trastros, I should say, the Trasteris up 6-5. to five. And then Tucker, he flied to right. Then Abreu, he singles to left on a 1-2 count, so he couldn't finish him off. And then McCormick, he struck him out swing with that sweeper for the second out. And then he gets Pena to ground to a fielder's choice to short. So, yeah, I mean, they get, he gives up two hits there. So, yeah, I mean, you guys know I've been beating this drum. I've been pounding my fist on the desk. I've been screaming, give me relievers that can miss bats. Everyone says the pitcher's best friend is the double play ball. No, I said the pitcher's best friend is the ability to miss bats because when you have that little pill there and you miss that wooden stick, you don't get the fluky stuff. You don't have the ball in play. That's when bad things happen. That's when guys can have errors and misplays. That's when you have sacrifice flies. So, look, if you want to just totally dominate hitters, you got to have guys on the mound that can miss bats in key situations. And, yeah, this bullpen, they're just not constructed like that. A lot of pitch to contact guys. Even Evan Phillips, who is the Dodgers' best reliever, he's up there in the top of the ninth inning. And he did get the strikeout to uh, – he struck out uh, – Jose Abreu swinging gets McCormick and McCormick single to left there and he gets Peña to fly to center so yeah and then also too want to give a shout out to Will Smith give Will Smith some credit not only the home run but throwing out McCormick there stealing second so that was a fantastic throw great play there we haven't seen too many of those I mean with the way they made it so easy to steal base I feel like I could go swipe a few bags out there I feel like Ricky Henderson would have like 4,000 stolen bases a season with these new rules but yeah, I wouldn't pin this one too much on the pitch. I mean, on the bullpen. I think Tony Gonson puts his team behind the eight ball, giving up two two run shots with splitters up in the zone center cut. And then you yeah, had the fact that this offense, they're averaging under four runs per game in the last week when they've been consistently one of the best offenses all season long. And today you saw Freddie Freeman come to life with the doubles. Will Smith, he gets the two run shot. And then Mookie Betts, a leadoff home run, but not a lot in between. Not a lot of those long innings where they're passing the baton and you're seeing some consistency down the order. Just not enough of that from this Dodgers offense. But uh, here we go back to the comment section here, guys. We got uh, we haven't won in many Sundays. That's from Aaron. I'll get you the exact stats on that in just a second. Um, we got uh, what up, DMAC and Dodgers Familia? What up, Ivy Stroking? We got uh, what's up, Diane Schroeder? We got Tony Sucks missing Muncie now, Dodgers Nation. Yeah, always missing Max Muncie. Look, Max Muncie. 
people always love to give Max Muncie flack when he's struggling because sometimes he gets into funks and he's the funky Muncie. And yeah, sometimes he goes through rough patches, but still, this is one of the best hitters in the league when he's right. This is one of the most dangerous hitters in the league when he's right. And the good news is Doc said before the game that Muncie had a good day. He can't imagine him not being in third base on Tuesday and back on Thursday as well. So he's going to be back very shortly here, and hopefully he's looking like the Max Muncie that was in the MVP conversation, the very early MVP conversation to start the year. So you definitely want to see that. Another update, too, on Chris Taylor. CT3 heads the IL. The knee just has not completely healed. Doc said he's been compensating. They're going to backdate a few days. Yanni Hernandez. By the way, Yanni Hernandez, he's yawn fire, hopefully. But it's a bone bruise, and he Doc said with everyone there, there is always something with the knee, so you don't want to don't want to have him play on it and risk further injury. So they're going to play it carefully with that and proceed with caution. So that's another development there with Chris Taylor. So they said they doesn't know they're going to backdate a week. It's swinging it doesn't affect him, but throwing the baseball and playing the field does. So definitely going to be interesting to see how quickly Chris Taylor can get back because he's been a guy who's been banged up. He has been banged up last few years. And another good news, too, is Julio Arias. He pitched for Rancho today. He went four innings, allowed one run on two hits, had eight strikeouts and one walk. So getting Julio Arias back on the road, that's going to be key because they need another starter that can give them length, another guy that can pitch like an ace, and I think that he's going to absolutely come back, be as focused as ever. He has so much riding on this, does for does Julio Urias. I almost call him Fernando Valenzuela, but Julio Urias, the fact that he's on a platform season, the all-star game is out of the window, but he knows that if he has a strong finish and a strong postseason, he's going to make a lot of money this year. And Yeah, the reality is I was talking to Jose Moda up at the, the broadcast booth. We were hanging out. Jose Moda, great guy, by the way. Check out that interview on YouTube. Uh, he was telling me that after his start against the Cardinals, where he gave up those four home runs in one inning, he went up to Jose and he talked to him and says, look, my legs don't feel right. I don't feel right. I'm going to take some time off. And that it was affecting him mechanically and that he was compensating. So that is why I think you saw him pulling a lot. You saw his mechanics just weren't sharp. They weren't clean. And I think that he's going to come back. He took some extra time off. And the kind of the silver lining there was it allowed him to get more time to get right. And I think that the goal is for Julio to come back and just absolutely go on a tear, absolutely be that guy who's been a top 10 pitcher over the last two seasons. The guy had finished third in the Cy Young voting last season. So I'm definitely excited to see Julio Arias when he comes back and what he can do. So that's going to be big. I cannot say that enough. That cannot be overstated. Uh, Vargas just needed to hit a ground ball or fly balls from Ray Barrios. That's a great point. I think some of these guys, it's almost you have to constantly remind them in extra innings that, yeah, getting the ball in play is key. Putting your bat on the ball and just putting the ball in play is key. And when we saw that, with a guy that I think is going to get some reps over Miguel Vargas the next two, three weeks, and that is Michael Bush. And Michael Bush, you saw what he was able to do in the bottom of the 10th inning. He's up to bat. He falls down the count. Three and two. It's a three-two count. The sixth pitch he fouls it off on a curveball. And the seventh pitch he did bad. He hit a slider, grounds to second, but Rojas was able to advance to third. The following play, Mookie Betts, he had a sack fly to left to score Rojas to tie things up at five. So when you put the ball in play, 
definitely good things are going to happen. When you're Miguel Vargas, you're up there. You have an out to work with. You're not going to end the game with just putting the ball in play. That's what's so frustrating because we know and we've seen for years, if you followed this minor league organization, that he's a guy that hasn't had trouble doing that. But I think that a lot of these guys that have raked their way up to the minor league system, they're not as well-versed in situational hitting, especially in pressure situations. So I think that's something that's going to have to be a skill that's going to be developed. And I also think that's coaching too. I mean, you have to stress that. You have to encourage them to go up there and just, hey, get your bat on the ball. Find a way to put it in play. That way we can continue this game. Yes, you're going to tax that bullpen more. And that's something that might be in the back of their minds that, hey, let's just slug our way out of this game and one extra base hit, one two-run shot, and this thing is over. But still, I think for someone that is not playing with much confidence there in that box, it would have definitely helped them just to find a way to put the ball in play. So that's a great point down there. And though we got – but, yeah, let's not forget, though, the, the umpire, he should have been up 3-0, okay? And like I said, that's not an excuse. I don't make excuses. I give explanations. That's what I say. But it almost felt like the umpire was falling asleep. It almost felt like the umpire was behind there, and he was umpiring with his Mantis Sleep mask on. And you know what, Mantis Sleep? If you guys want to go check out your Mantis Sleep mask, I mean, I highly recommend Mantis Sleep. Mantis Sleep. They make the world's best sleep masks and sleep accessories. Everything they do is to enable better lives through better sleep. They work relentlessly to improve and optimize sleep so that you can have the energy to live your best life. Check out Mantis Sleep today so you can sleep better anywhere, anytime. Get your Mantis Mask today. Use the code DN2023. So yeah, definitely still doesn't it's not an excuse because the results haven't been there, but yeah, let me know down below what do you guys want to see with Miguel Vargas. So let's do all comments right here. Dave Roberts is a WWE bay from DKM. Boomer Assassin, every extra innings game, Manfred should be put on second or a member of his family. Wow. Finish him. That's a finish him. That is definitely a finish him there. Yeah, look, we've seen this team struggle in extra innings, struggle in one-run games over the last few years. And, yeah, they're losing extra innings today. The Dodgers in extra innings, they had been 3-1 and one heading into this one. So they now fall to 3-2. and two. They were nine and eight in one run games heading into this one. So now they're nine and nine at 500. So, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that is just the case on the, in this one. But uh, we got, uh, let's see here. Okay, Vargas has to hit the ball. That's from Ron Jerica. Diane Schroeder, it's a good thing the pen has a day off tomorrow because Gratterall and Almonte could use one. Great point. I mean, look, this bullpen is still going to feel the residual effects. Okay, like I said, if it's the group project, the group project, they were the guys that was doing all the work. They were the guys that was putting everything together for a couple of weeks now because you weren't getting linked out of that bullpen. At some point, it's going to catch up to you. And like I said, heading into today, this bullpen had really been fantastic. And at that point, I mean, like I said, heading into today, the bullpen – they were uh, they had given the last five games a .44 ERA, just one earned run, and the last 20 in a third. Shout out to the bullpen, much better. Gonsolin, those split-figure fastballs, you have to bury them. Almonte, stop leaving that slider up. My mother can hit that easy shock therapy for you every time you leave that up. That's a good one. I messed your name, but that's a great comment there. We got uh, Vargas to AAA. We got Bruce Dars, the wrong guy with that new extra inning rule. Ball will always be in play. That's from Ray Brios. Yeah, I mean, look, that's a great point, but not as many options there. I mean, what are the options there? But uh, DMAC, who do you give up for Giolito? That's from Matthew Matiog. Hey, uh, well, I have a, actually, I'm dropping a video with some trade package I have, but like, I think for Lucas Giolito, the good thing for, for Giolito is the fact that, look, you don't have to commit to him for next season, right? I mean, for Giolito, he's a guy that 
He's not on a two, three-year deal. He doesn't have two or three or more arbitrations years left. So what he does have, though, what the White Sox do have is they have some leverage. They have leverage because you have multiple teams that are still in it. You have teams out there like the Diamondbacks that need pitching, the Rangers that need pitching. There's teams out there that need quality starting pitching. And look, as of right now, the White Sox, they're still not punting on the season. But I still think you wouldn't have to give up any of your top five guys. I mean, you're not going to have to give up the Cartais or anyone like that, the Millers, the Pajes. Uh, I mean, Michael Bush is an interesting name but i think at this point i would give up michael bush if i didn't need to for sure especially when you consider how mature of a hitter he is especially when you consider the fact that max muncie only has one more year potentially on that 10 million dollar option so i'm still keeping michael bush i still think michael bush even when gavin lux returns and this infield starts to get a little more depth that michael bush is a guy that he's a very quality hitter and like i said You've heard from people out there that, hey, this is a guy that when he makes a jump, I was talking to my friend Casey Porter from Dodgers Daily, and he does a fantastic job. I'm going to be on his show this week. He's going to be on my show. And he was telling me that every time he makes a jump that he struggles. He gets off to a slow start. Then things start to click. And now you're starting to see that with Michael Bush where, hey, the at-bat quality is getting better. He's seeing more pitches. The contact when he gets his bat on the ball is similar to what we saw when he was at the AAA level in the Meyer Leagues. And, yeah, tonight Michael Bush goes 0 for 4 with one strikeout. He's hitting 200 so far. So it's funny that it's almost like the battle of mid, right? And yes, it's been Miguel Vargas. He's down to 201 on the season, but Michael Bush, Bush in a lesser sample size is hitting 200 as well. So there's no guarantees that he's just going to take off and catch fire and just have a great season for the rest of the year. So I think you have to consider that as well, but I definitely think that he has earned his opportunity. And when you factor in that, not only Miguel Vargas has he been playing bad, but also I think the best thing for him could be a little reset. Could be going down to the PCL and getting that swing back on track, getting that confidence up. Hey, DMAC, this is the Los Angeles Dodgers, not the Rockford Peaches. Okay. Uh, you're doing a great job, brother. Hey, thank you, Xavier Castro. I really appreciate you rocking with us. If you're new to the show, by the way, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, and also hit that like button because, look, you still won the series. You still beat the Trashers. How about yesterday? You went on a game-winning balk. Don't call it a comebalk. The comebalk kids. Okay, I'm done. Uh, we got. I'll give myself a bruh for that one. Bruh. Uh, we'll, we got Dodgers still won the series. That's from Marioso, Mar uh, Marisol Avant over on Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. We got uh, Adam818 when they announced Dave Roberts name Friday night. I booed. <laughs> That's cold. Uh, we got uh, Boomer Assassin next year. Let's make an offer to JT to take Roberts' place. Boomer, that's a little early for that. Uh, we got uh, BC, only 289 players in Major League Baseball history of almost 25,000 hitters in the 99th percentile. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible the fact that, I mean, I was talking to uh, Jose Moda saying, hey, what would you rather have? Would you rather be in the Hall of Fame or win a World Series and win a World Series MVP and hit a walk-off home run in Game 7? And he was sort of thinking about it, and a, then he said, of course, hit the, be in the Hall of Fame, right? Because, look, if you're the Hall of Fame, it's only 269 members, right? I mean, it's very small, so very exclusive club right there for Freddie Freeman. And really, doesn't it surprise anyone? Because there's a guy who's been one of the best hitters of his generation, one of the most consistent hitters, one of the best all-fields approaches that we've seen in the last decade. And, yeah, we're just not in – a situation where you're going to have guys that are going to be hitting 300 at 3000 hits anymore. Right. So yeah, we saw last year, it was a great story with Miguel Cabrera, him get to, to 3000 hits, but yeah, for, and, and Miguel Cabrera, he's at uh 3,119, but yeah, Freddie Freeman, the fact that you get 2000 hits, 
That's very, very impressive. And like I said, he's a guy that's a couple really good years away from being a lock for Cooperstown, at least in my opinion. I think he's definitely he's getting close. But yeah, Nelson Cruz, a little over 2,000 hits, 2,047. Andrew McCutcheon, 2,007 hits. Freddie Freeman to the so Freddie Freeman now with 2000 he joins that exclusive club but who the leading I mean Elvis Andrews has 2036 hits Nelson Cruz Joey Votto has 2098 hits so yeah, not very many that are in that contention to have 3,000, right? You're just not going to see that at this point. It's just uh, it's going to be a rarity. I mean, the game has changed. So Miguel Cabrera, the active leader, of course. But uh, yeah, a couple more here, guys. We'll let you guys enjoy the rest of your Sunday night. We're going to be back with you guys tomorrow on the Blue Heaven podcast with me and my guy, Mr. Mr. Clint Pasillas. Go follow him at RealFRG. Uh, we got, uh, hey, DMAC, tired of seeing Gratterall. He can't strike anyone out. Jason Diamond. Hey, I mean, guys, I mean, have I not said this? Uh, have I not made this clear about Bruce Dark Gratterall? Yeah, that's just the thing with the hey, like, So everyone gets caught up on the velocity, right? Oh, the bazooka, 100 miles per hour. Look, it does not play up, okay? When I say play up, I mean, does it have the effect that you would expect for 100 miles per hour? No, because hitters get their bat on the ball when it comes out of his hands and a couple reasons for that are one does not have a long extension and that plays a big part i mean look at kenley jansen right kenley jansen had one of the best extensions in the league and that's why a 95 mile per hour fastball from kenley jansen or a cutter that's why it plays up because the extension right i mean it seems like your toes right on home plate when it's kenley jansen or someone like that that's not the case with bruised dark gratter you saw a very short very short delivery, and he's not getting to the plate, not getting behind as much. If you look at Bruzdar, his extension is in the third percentile, the three percentile, right? His fastball spin in the 11th percentile, so not a lot of spin. When you get the spin, especially on a four-seam fastball, you're going to get the perceived rise. You're going to get hitters swinging underneath it. You don't see that. So velocity, 94th percentile. Extension, third percentile. Strikeout rate, 28th percentile. So what he does do good, though, he does induce soft contact. He does miss barrels. And if you look at his barrel percentage, is in the 86th percentile. But he just does not miss bats because he throws strikes, he pounds the zone, and that fastball, it induces soft contact. And you get ground ball outs and lazy fly ball outs. But, yeah, at some point, you're going to get burned. At some point, it just happens, okay? The more times you enter the casino, the more times you have a chance of losing, right? More times you throw, roll that dice. And even if you're, if you're great you're going to get burned. And unfortunately, that just kind of is a part of the, the process with a bruised dark grotto. But a couple more here, guys, and we'll head out. And uh, yeah, let me know down below in the comment section. What would you guys rather have? Would you rather hit the game-winning, the game-winning home run, a walk-off home run in Game 7 of the World Series and win World Series MVP, but you don't make it to the Baseball Hall of Fame or never even have played in a World Series or never have won a World Series and make it to the Hall of Fame? Me, it's an easy answer. Give me the Hall of Fame career. I'll be Ken Griffey Jr. all day, every day because only 269 Hall of Famers, right? There's over 24,000 players that have played this game. One team every year wins the World Series, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to be because, I mean, it'd be an awesome feeling, right? To hit a walk-off home run the World Series. Not many people have done that as well. But Dodgers won the series two games at three. I miss Noah Syndergaard like I miss COVID-19. Okay, that's a... 
Trastro, Sammy, yeah, we do. Uh, Tommy Edmund is good. 244 in the house, so smash that like button for DMAC. Thanks, Diane Schroeder. I appreciate that. Fred Hot, greater than Jan Fire. I like that. Uh, Julio back in the pen. No. Uh, no, come on now. What up, D-Mag? What up, Joseph Megazini at Dodgers Nation post-game show day one? Always appreciate you rocking with us, my man. We got It's Vargas' Fault. That's from Justin Kim's 2000. We got Trey, Troy Heyman. Look, I don't always read the long ones because this is your senior thesis here. This is a novel, but you put some effort into it. We got a little time here, and I will read it. Troy over on Facebook. We have the Rockies for three, Royals for three, and then the Struggling Pirates for three. LFG, let's rock nine straight wins. Bet Brian Reynolds is regretting signing that contract now, LOL. We have three straight series against crap teams. This is our opportunity to take back the division that belongs to us. I like the Mitch a lot of half full take. Have you ever seen anything that's extremely positive you're gonna get the Mitchell on half full take but as far as Brian Reynolds and that contract I think he's fine with the extension that he got I mean eight years 106.7 million dollars right there and look he's a guy who had a very interesting extension with the arbitration years and the fact that he bought out some years but he'd go back into arbitration so yeah I think with Brian Reynolds I think he's fine with that deal that he signed because yeah I mean he just wanted to get paid he felt comfortable with the Pirates they needed a star this year Reynolds really is consistent not having a lights out MVP caliber season a 122 weighted runs created plus hitting 279 so 22% above league average the power numbers is 8 home runs so far through 294 plate appearances so he's another guy too I think will end up as a corner outfielder but Vargas really man uh, we got, uh, there it is, the Mantis Sleep Mask. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, D-Mag, this is the Los Angeles Dodgers. We got the Trade Bruzdar, San Miguel Vargas to the Miners. That's from Joe Mama. We got uh, Trade Everyone, Keith Roberts and Friedman. Giolito sucks. That's from I Don't Know. Yeah, I think Lucas Giolito, but the reason I like him is because, look, you don't want to give up too much prospect capital. You don't want to trade the farm away for a guy, but Lucas Giolito is a guy that can help this team. And I think what I like about it, too, is you don't have to guarantee he's going to be your game one starter, right? It's not like you went out there and traded for a Max Scherzer. You're going to still have some flexibility. But I will say, Lucas Giolito, he's been extremely hot, hot in the devil's armpit in the month of June, a 1-5 ERA and 24 innings of work with 30 strikeouts to eight walks. So he's been fantastic in June after a pretty average May, had an ERA over over four, a whatever April ERA over four as well. But if he continues to pitch like this, I think, look, I don't want him to pitch too well where the prospect capital is too high and too many teams are after him. So, look, I mean, Shane Bieber is another name you could go after. I mean, we'll see what other names continue to emerge. But I think Lucas Giolito, when you consider the 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 opportunity cost of it all, I think it does make a lot of sense. And I think that he would – thrive playing in his dream stadium in his dream ballpark at Dodger Stadium he's a Harvard Westlake kid bring the local kid home man and also too you could pair him with some other guys some or some of the White Sox relievers possibly as well but I doubt Otani is getting traded the Angels are trying to stack up yeah I've heard Rick from Buster Olney from some other insiders that it's highly unlikely they're going to trade Otani this season one of the reasons why is you don't want to be the guys that trade Otani I mean at this point if you're that Angels organization yeah if he signs with another team you can 
live with that, but you don't want to have to live with 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road that, hey, we traded for him. Because once you trade for him, then you look at who'd you trade for him, right? Who'd you bring in? Is it a Bobby Miller? Well, they're going to follow Bobby Miller's career, and they're going to watch that like they're vultures. And if he struggles, you're going to say, oh, we got him for Bobby Miller. It was a terrible trade. So I think this Angels organization, at this point, I can understand it. Really, they should have traded him last year because they could have got a massive haul for him, but they didn't do that. That's when they should have traded him when you had a year and a half of team control left, just like what the Nationals did when they traded Juan Soto. But at this point, you're so late in the game. And the fact that, hey, you are in the mix to make the postseason. You could be one of those wild card teams. And yeah, I think they're still scoring runs against the against the Rockies, man. It kind of reminded me of that uh, 2020 game, the Marlins Braves game where they scored 29 runs, but uh, that is the big league record, by the way. Hey, D-Mac, do you get Corbin Carroll vibes from Outman? That's from Sammy Smith. As far as look, maybe not really. I mean, James Outman is a big guy. He's a strong guy. Like I said, he's built like a football player. Corbin Carroll, he's a speedy guy. I wish they had gone to UCLA. We would have loved that. But Corbin Carroll is he's a, this guy is a he's a, this guy's a, a a potential seven to ten time All Star. I mean, Corbin Carroll is ridiculous. He almost hits three hundred. Has a one fifty one rated once created plus. Has sixteen home runs on the air. He's fast. I mean. This guy gets around faster than a rumor at a middle school, okay? I mean, this guy is absolutely lightning quick. So, yeah, I don't see too much. I mean, I think James Alvin definitely has underrated speed and athleticism, and I think he's a guy that absolutely has that club in his bag, and he's dynamic on the base pass. But, yeah, Corbin Carroll, this kid's special, man, absolutely. Hell, yeah, D-Mac Booth with Oral and Joe. That would be sweet. Oh, yeah, I would love that. I'm down. Uh, we got uh, Fire Roberts, Bush is better. Hello, DM. We got uh, MLB Draft July 9th. I don't see anyone breaking Pete's record anytime soon soon freddie's still over 2000 more away no absolutely not absolutely not no one's going to touch that record i mean that's that's definitely one of the most i mean 4000 p rose has 4256 hits nah man <laughs> no one's going to um no one's going to touch that i mean that's definitely up there with cal ripkins consecutive games played that's up there with of course the all-time home run leader, but yeah, I mean, the fact that, I mean, no one, I mean, I mean, look at Derek Jeter, who everyone gives a lot of flack to. Derek Jeter had 3,465 hits. Ty Cobb, four, I mean, there's only two players in big league history that have over 4,000 hits, P. Rose and Ty Cobb, and Hank Aaron has 3,771. So it's kind of crazy when you think about the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame. I'm definitely a guy who thinks that P. Rose should be in the Hall of Fame because you can't tell the story of baseball without him. But uh, here's a, we'll end on this one. Thanks, Trace Hayward Season, man. I always appreciate you, my man. Great takes. You know ball better than anyone. And uh, always appreciate you rocking with us here on the Dodgers Nation post game show and all you guys as well. Uh, thank you for joining us as always. Really appreciate it. But uh, John Bleeds Blue, $10. Appreciate this. Miguel Vargas, who has a 196 career batting average with under 281 at bats. Even Mickey Mantle was sent down with his first 300 at bats. Yeah, I think it's a great point you bring up there. John is that look it's no shame I mean you're still a young player there's no reason why you shouldn't go down there and at least rework that not rework that swing get the confidence back the swing is fine you don't change like P Rose said you don't change your swing if you guys seen P Rose's golden advice for hitters is you don't change your swing at all because your swing is what got you to the show it's what got you to the big leagues you just make some other adjustments move up in the box move back in the box curveballs are hurting you move up in the box hit star struggling against velocity move back in the box move close to the plate move away from the plate sometimes this game can be simplified and I think he'd definitely benefit from that but thanks again guys for joining us here in the Dodgers Nation post 
post-game show. If you're new to the show, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. Remember, nothing brings us together quite like Dodger baseball. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. And until next time, think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. stadium their silence is deafening 136 israelis are still being held hostage by hamas bring them home for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.